0: You know, there's certain things that impact you, certain things that just really just stand out. And they like, wow, I, I never heard of that before. I never saw that. I never saw it that way. And a couple of couple of years ago, um, I saw a man come up here with a four by four plank of wood, eight, eight and eight feet, six feet long. Eight foot. could. Good. Golly. And, and I thought, this man's insane. <laughs> um, he's not going to make it the full, the full 45. But as I started listening and I started watching and I started reading the word, I said, it, it didn't matter if you made it the full 45 because I know my Lord Jesus Christ can. He made it a full couple of hours. Showing us how much he loved us. Amen. With his arms stretched out. On maybe a, what was it, a lot, lot larger, larger than a four by four. So today, in God's infinite love towards us, he will bring his word in exact portions for what we need in our lives. Amen. Brother Ron.
1: You were blessed by the music today, as I was. Um, it's not just a band; it's it's a worship band. And um, Joey's preaching, and the, the the people up here are preaching through song. What Joey was alluding to uh, several years back, I preached about the plank. You know, don't don't try to take the plank. the, the pl- the speck out of someone else's eye. If you don't get rid of the plank in your own first, and that plank was a two by four by eight, and um, I held it on my shoulder the whole time. It did get pretty heavy, Joey. And uh, but it illustrated <laughs> it illustrated, I think, the point. We've started uh, doing uh, the Bible clubs at New River, and Dee Dee Johnson. And Mr. Tom and I do things like that all the time. Um, They love Mr. Tom because of his skits and the way he looks at things. Our text today will be um, John chapter 15, and it's called The Vine and the Branches. That's the heading. Um, Let me read it to you, if we could stand in reverence to the Word of God while we read it to you. And if you can opening your open your scripture so that you could read it with me. Jesus is saying here, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be given Well, even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. This is for my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for your word, Father God, that you've given to us down through the ages. Your word is living and active, and we thank you so much for it. It's life-giving, Father God. We just thank you for that. So, as we open this passage... I. Pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that we'll each learn something and grow closer to Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, go ahead and be seated. I'm going to continue. I've been spending a lot of time in Scripture lately, uh, different Scriptures. In the, and one of my favorites I found over time is John the latter parts of John 15 16 17 and 18 because in that i can i can feel jesus i can see what he was going through and that, that sometimes he shares with us the same feelings that we have when we go through hard times it's it's a personal scripture 14 15 16 and 17 it's a very personal Scripture. It, it gives me insight into the heart of Jesus. This was Jesus' last night in the upper room, teaching the disciples. It was a very special night. We, When we go to communion, we hear about the upper room and what Jesus was teaching there. Um, but sometimes we underestimate the depth of what he was teaching there. What he was bringing about was a new covenant. Halfway through um, the uh, the Passover meal, he got up and put the robe around him. And that brought in, that ushered in a new time. It's no longer the Old Testament, the old covenant. This New Testament. Where we're saved by grace. He, was just get, he just got through teaching the Passover meal and eating it. He was teaching us the bread and the cup, the foot washing. And even then, he had a person, one of his twelve, went out to betray him. And he knew it. So that's why the the intimacy of what we feel in these three chapters of John especially. It's Jesus' last will and testament. It's the last night of his spoken ministry. He spent a lot of time. If you want to see a broken heart, you read these by yourself while you're quiet. It was his last night of speaking his ministry. I say spoken ministry because the next part of it was mostly silent. When they came and arrested Jesus after the that he went through the garden whenever they came and arrested him, most of what he said was was said was, was muttered through the agony his agony as he hung on the cross. I've read those words many, many times, and I try to put myself at the foot of the cross looking up and thinking, am I one that's going to throw stones at him and curse him, or would I have been one of the ones that loved him? He was hanging on the cross, which was his greatest ministry. His spoken ministry taught us about God, what he looked like. But his greatest ministry was dying for you and I. He, he went to the cross to, to atone for or pay off the mortgage on, on our souls. The mortgage was there because of our sin. And because of that, nobody could be clean. The Bible says that the new heaven and the new earth, nothing impure shall ever enter into it. And so God wants his family with him, which is all believers. But his word says nothing impure shall ever enter into it. So he made a way for us. His son, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our salvation. Who, For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning a shame. And then he went and sat for the right hand of God to to pay off your mortgage and mine. I hope you're aware of that all the time. And he was using this last few hours walking from the upper room to the garden roundabout way to pour out his heart to those closest to him. There was twelve to start with, but there was a betrayer there. And then there was eleven. It's, it's like, I don't know if you've ever talked talked to someone or, or been with them the last hours of their lives. They tell you things. They tell you the truth. They try to teach you and pour out their heart to you. And that's what Jesus was doing here. The next day, He was going to do even more. He was going to pour out His Blood for them. The Bible says in verse 14:31, Jesus said, Arise or come now and let us leave. At that point in time, he left the upper room where these conversations about the communion and, and the Passover meal and the foot washing all took place. Most scholars think that. He spoke chapters 15 and 16 to to those 11 around him and anyone else that was with him. We don't we don't know. Traveling between the upper room and the garden of Gethsemane. He was walking in the moonlight. Passing the great walls. Heading for his. The Garden of Gethsemane, which you know that is where he was arrested. And as he was walking along, as Jesus usually did, he would take examples from what was around. We were called sheep because they know about sheep. Anything agricultural, he used because they were farmers. And so as he was walking through this valley... Or on the side of the Mount of Olives. And, and Scripture says the historians say that that whole area um, was uh, very large vineyards. I guess the soil and the atmosphere, everything worked out right for those type of plants. But extremely huge and beautiful plants. And using examples of what he passed by, he gave us, he was teaching us some great ideas. He was teaching us that we have a personal God who cares for us. The world says that cannot be because of all the violence going on and he doesn't do anything. Well, we have a personal God. Others say that, yeah, we got a God, but he spun out this world. And didn't care for it, just leaving it as, it as it is. No, Jesus was teaching us that we have a personal God who cares for us. He was also teaching us, chapter 14, that we not, need not be afraid anymore. Because He's going back to the Father and preparing a place for us. That's comforting. Many times I sit with people who are failing There were believers. That verse came up. They will close their eyes for the last time, as you and I will too, and open them to Jesus. He was teaching us the covenant of grace, a new covenant. This was brand new to them. We take it for granted. He says that we are to show our love for the Father, not just by spoken words but by obedience to him. John, throughout, throughout the scripture, says, if you love God, you will obey him. We're speaking of that in Sunday school. Plus, he's teaching the ministering of the Holy Spirit through this walk, through the vineyards. And then when he finally arrived at his destination... The Garden of Gethsemane, which was a, a famous meeting spot for them. Uh, he prayed the, the wonderful prayers in chapter 17. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for his own glorification. He prayed for you and I, all the believers that we're going to come after. So whenever you read those, if you do, if if, you, if that happens to be your lesson now, just remember those things. Jesus was fond of using stories that illustrated his idea. Uh, I listen to professors sometimes of theology, and uh, they seem to prefer stories that go completely over our head. Jesus wasn't like that. His stories could be understood by a child, and he made it that way on purpose. So he used the things around him, and so the vine came natural to him. On the surface, we may think, well, that's a nice illustration, but I think it goes much deeper than that. The symbolism for the people of Israel was much, much deeper. The vine held a special significance to them. It's kind of like our Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights that we have in Washington. It's under glass. That's special. That's who we are. But the, the Israelites, children of Abraham, um, used, had used, the, the vine was special to them in that way. In Psalms 88 and 9 it says, You brought a, bo- a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shape, the mighty cedar, Caesar's, cedars with its branches. It set out its boughs to the sea. It shoots as far as the river. And Jeremiah tells us, God says, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me in a corrupt, as a corrupt wild vine? Isaiah 5 says that I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. This was understand that the vine was their national identity. Whenever you're in, if you go to Israel now, you will see it uh, many, many times. And the, indeed, the, the gates of, of Herod's temple, which were magnificent, the walls and the gates were still there, they hadn't been destroyed yet. They were massive gates made of bronze. And on, on the bronze gates was a delicate image of a vine fashioned in gold. So as they were walking in that night, they could have passed by them and, and seen uh, that fashioned in gold. The, the Jews at that time knew very well the symbolism of the vine. It symbolized the chosen people and their racial standing before God as Abraham's children. And they were secure in that. They were all right with that. They were a chosen people, a good people, the best seed. Jesus uses every illustration, if you will look, most everyone, to teach and encourage the good in us, and also to expose the evil in us. There's always two sides to his parables in men's hearts. It's very important God looks at our hearts. Jesus used a lot of time warning the people uh, not to identify with evil. True believers. There are true believers, true true branches, and false believers, counterfeit branches. And that's his example. He used it many, many times. He used it in the soils. He used it with the talents that Tim taught us a couple weeks back. The sower, the weeds, the barren fig tree the true door, the good Samaritan. He taught us there's wolves in sheep's clothing. They try to look like the sheep. The Bible, Jesus himself, many, many times, warns us about the good and the evil involved in men's hearts. He'll do so in this also. He does so in this one also. In verse 15, one, it says, Jesus says, I am the vine. We have to stop there because Jesus was making a startling statement. He was astounding the people that listened to him. He was cons- he, he was involved in heresy for those that did not believe him. Because he was saying, I am the true vine. As ex- Genuine as as the imitated, up against the imitated. John the Baptist was not the true, He, he wasn't the true light, he was reflected light. Jesus is the true light. So that's what he was speaking of here. Jesus is saying to the Jewish nation that the Jewish nation themselves, their racial identity, is not the true vine, which provoked a lot of them. Uh, but a representative of that jesus is the genuine vine he is the genuine light and he was teaching them that here this here he was telling them that i am god i'm the one who created this you are my representatives here you're my oracle people but they got it in their heads that they were more than that they were saved because of their racial identity to abraham it's, it's. Jesus here is teaching us that our identification with a religion or anything really doesn't make you that person. Uh, you can wear a ram shirt. Doesn't mean you're a ram. Or a Dodger shirt. Doesn't mean you're a Dodger. You can identify with them. A lot of people identify in America especially with the church. Thinking somehow it gets some him a special blessing with God. It means absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, you spend forty years in a church and don't embrace Christ, or ten years, or five years. It's going to go harder on you because you have heard the truth. Attachment to Jesus means everything. That's why he's using the vine and the branches. They're attached. Being born of the Spirit of God is everything. That means you have salvation. When we were under the bridge last week, that taught, and he did a good job. And he, he taught him John 3.3. 3. When Nicodemus came to him, and says, what must I do to be saved? He says, you must be born again. Born of the Spirit and water. And then he looked at everybody at the table. He says, because they looked at him in a startled manner. And he said, haven't you ever heard that before? They had not. So that did a real good job on that. If we want to know if we're born of the spirit. And I have people ask me all this all the time. How do I know if I'm born again? I'll question them because I care about their salvation. But there's some that have been in the church so long, they don't really listen. I say, I want you to turn around and look at your footsteps. Your footsteps is every day of your life since you've embraced Christ. Are there two sets? Jesus walking ahead of you. And you following him after, so you see two steps? Or is there only one foot behind you? Your own? Galatians five, nineteen to twenty three lays out some of those footprints. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. We're learning in our Sunday school class in 1 John, he's very adamant. He draws a hard line on that. If you hate, you don't belong to God. Discord. Jealousy fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And then Paul teaches us this very clearly. Those footprints, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a pseudo religion in America, it seems to be, where they think differently. But God, God is very clear on this. That's an imitation. But the fruit of the spirit, whenever you have the spirit of God in you, the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord. The Bible says he puts he gives you the Holy Spirit of God. Like we were speaking of this morning, some people feel it, some do not. I felt it. I felt clean and good, loved. So the Holy Spirit lives in me. And if you're truly born again, if you're attached to the vine, you are born again. And then he says, I am the vine, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. This is also a new concept. In the Old Testament, God is identified as the owner of the vineyard. And that fits right in with the, the Jewish nation for um, 2,000 years, a little over 2,000 years that they survived. That he's the own, owner of the vineyard. But here he's the keeper, the farmer, or the one who takes care of the vineyard. It speaks to an active interest. God is not dead. God is not asleep. God has not turned his back on you. God loves you. He deals in eternity. We deal in time. We know today and maybe tomorrow we got some things planned next week. And then after that gets kind of foggy. Because we don't know. But God knows. Sometimes when we go through hard times now, it's to prepare us for greater fruitfulness later on. See, God throughout history, from Adam to the end of the thousand year millennium period, is, is regathering a family, a willing family that he lost early on. They ran and hid from him because of their sin. We've been doing it ever since. I've mentioned that before. But it's God's plan throughout history. You are God's plan throughout history to re- be regathered into his family, an eternal family, a forever family. The Bible says that God is patient and loving, compassionate. He's not willing that any should perish. Amen. He wants everybody to turn to Him. So, even though the, the destruction we see in time, it's God being patient with you. I was young once. No, don't say nothing. I was your, I was your age once. Didn't want well to have anything to do with Him. I thought what I had in front of me in the world would be fine. I learned differently, and I hope you have too. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. He's given us time to think and choose. Some people, I've led somebody to the Lord that was 75 years old, thought he was saved for 40 years. He wasn't. He sat in this congregation for a while. I led him to the Lord. He knew then that he was born again. Jesus is the genuine vine. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. This is where Jesus is making the difference, teaching us the difference between the true and the counterfeit. I have a grape tree in my backyard, a grape bush. One year I cut it back too far. <laughs> and some came out. I got one bunch of grapes. Not good. So why did I water this thing all this time? The next year. It, it, it sprung out and it grew throughout my patio and I probably had 50 or 60. Bunches of grapes. So, when He trims, He could trim us back so far that He sets you aside aside for a season. He will remove you from fruit bearing for that season. That season lasted 40 years for Moses. He sent many other people out into the desert. Whenever they refuse to walk with him. So if you're truly born again believer, this does not apply to you. It doesn't cut you off and send you to hell. It doesn't happen. But he does trim you. And he trims you back. Sometimes it's painful. And you're set aside for a season. You're no longer in the fruit bearing area for a season. But God knows what he's doing. He loves us. He wants good fruit bearing plants. He wants you to be attached to the vine and, and, and produce fruit. There are many trees that don't produce any fruit. There are many lives that don't produce any fruit. Understand, sometimes the branches that he's cutting off, maybe they're dyed except for right down to the bottom. At one time, they looked like they were ripe and good, and fruit bearing. Just like the soils, or the weeds and the, and the 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 tears and and all, they looked the same for a while, but they didn't finish up. Jesus says there's a lot in the last he says a lot about the last days my friends we are in the last days Jesus warns us he's in a gentle way not to fall away what's happening around us in this country is awful it's awful we are in the last days, and this is what Jesus said. Matthew 7:15 says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruit. How are we as far as our fruit? Are we known by our fruit? And is it, is it good fruit? Well, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, so that will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken. You remain in me and, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit exhibited in your works day by day. If God asks you to go out, then you need to go out. If He asks you to teach children, then teach children. Whatever God asks you to do, if he asks you to be holy, and he does, be holy. Understand, God will not be mocked. We'll finish up here. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Whenever you're ministering in the Lord, I have to tell you, there's complete joy. You see it on 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 the, the praise band up here. I see joy in every one of their faces. I see it under the bridges in the dark places. I see it when we're out ministering the joy of your salvation. I see it in the good news clubs, those children that have the joy of their salvation. Just little guys and those that don't. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear much fruit. Fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, that you love one another. Now, if we remain on the vine, even though sometimes he washes us, in those days the the, the vineyards weren't like they are now, where we had nice trellises and, the, and they're strung out on it. Sometimes they would stack rocks and keep the fruit off of the ground. They would actually take water, come and wash it. All the way down the line. That's what God does to us when He washes us. If we don't produce, then He'll start trimming away until He gets to the good part. It may take you a number of years to get to the good part and be into the desert. Don't do that. Stay close to the Lord. Stay in Him. The promise He gives us then. He says... We are friends with Jesus if we do these things. He says, we are his beautiful bride without stain. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus for anyone who are in Christ Jesus. For you have crossed over from death to life. He says, whoever believes in me shall never die. He says, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus says, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Understand, if you're truly attached to the vine, you will persevere. You will not quit because Jesus won't let you quit. He says, I will lose lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. He says he's given us a a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. That's where your fruit is, by the way. You may see it here, but it's held in heaven for you says that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, which is a deposit guaranteeing our salvation and our inheritance. He says you are God's chosen, holy in love, holy and dearly loved. Maybe at the end of our lives, whenever we meet the Lord, close our eyes in death or rapture. We see his smiling face. He'll say, well done. Well done. A good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. That's my hope. That's my prayer for each and every soul in this room. One of my favorite speakers, and we'll end with this, uh, used to end every one of his sermons with this many years ago. It's Jude 24. And twenty five, it says to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord before all ages now and forever. Amen. And that's my prayer to you. End in prayer here, Father in heaven. Just thank you so much for your word about the vine and the branches simple illustration father but there's many many things behind it we just pray father that we understand that you are the vine we are the branches keep us close to you father and if we need washing wash us we ask you to do that if you need trimming although it's painful father trim us because we know that that's that will produce something good down the line. So I just give you each of the souls in this room, the precious souls that we have here, Father. Teach them, guide them, direct them. Give them wisdom to raise up those beautiful souls, those children you've given us, Father. Give us wisdom to lead our lives in a way that will honor you in everything when we're in nobody's presence and when in front of everybody. Father, because I know that you're there every place. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for our Jesus. Thank you for our Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.